Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. La da 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 da. Charleston was once the rage
beat does go on, and here we are once again. It is Wednesday afternoon, March 15, 2017, I believe. Today is the Ides of March, and uh, that would be a very interesting historical point of reference. Um, watch your back, folks. Anyways, that all being said, that was not a double-edged message, just a point of reference. We got a rich brew brewing today, as always. We're going to have a lot of guests come on the show. Uh, we don't have one specific topic for today. Uh, today is one of those uh, open mic days, um, but we do have a lot of in- interesting and informative guests that are already scheduled to come on the show. We're going to get uh, some updates from around the country, um, current cases going on. Uh, we've got Shauna Banda joining us again, and um, as you know, she is in the countdown uh, to an upcoming trial, and this is a case that um, has now been going on for uh, over two years, I believe, and, um, you know, I'm going to share a little bit of my thoughts about these cases and the length of time that they go and what it does to individuals and all of their loved ones and uh, the community at large, and I will have a couple of particular thoughts about all that as we continue into this uh, little monologue. Um, Looks like we've got Dr. David Allen going to be joining us. He's got some things to say. He's currently going through an issue of his own, dealing with his medical license and uh, other issues. Um, Hopefully we're going to have Michael Minardi joining the show and talking about... um, medical necessity defense and some of the cases that he is pledged to uh, support and represent um, and you know we're this is this is a interesting show in the sense that uh, we're not sponsored we don't have any you notice we don't have any commercials uh, what that means is that there isn't anybody uh, trying to influence us this is a show about the truth this is a show about freedom and liberty and all those things that we hold dear. Uh, this is a, a labor of love. All the people that help make this show do it because it's important. And we know that it's important to give those people uh, that are trying to uh, rally support and uh, share information about their stories, their cases, their lives, uh, gives them a place to do it. Um, we give federal prisoners an opportunity to speak live on the air, even if it puts them at risk. Um, we've had, I don't know, about a dozen of them over the years. Right now, Craig Cecil is our regular Lifetime uh, Achievement Award. He's serving a life sentence without possibility of parole, and he got passed over by the Obama administration. And now, um, you know, we're trying to continue our effort to get him out because we believe that no one should go to jail for a plant. Not ever, not one person. There's no reason. Uh, no victim, no crime. There's no victim involved in these pot cases. It's a, a matter of of the law. Well, folks, we have a lot of bad laws. We've always historically had a lot of bad laws, and as we grow uh, as a nation, as, as a race, uh, hopefully we evolve and realize that there are some things that need to be punished and maybe should be spent more time on, and others uh, that need to be looked at with some sense. Sense, common sense. I think it was uh, Benjamin Franklin or or somebody in his era that said common sense is uh, not so common. And I'd like to reiterate that because we live in a world where 
common sense is very rare. Um, we live in a, a world of polar opposites. We have a, a political nightmare going on uh, with with both sides of the political spectrum just lambasting each other. Um, we have so many things wrong and so many ways that we can correct it, but yet I see so little of those actual things happening. I, I, we live in a world where people's feelings get hurt so easy and it's so damaging because somebody, people are allowed, allowing themselves to be crippled by, um, you know, by some words, regardless of who says them or what they say. Uh, whatever happened to sticks and stones, you know? Whatever happened to people standing up for what's right? Uh, whatever happened to uh, acting, acting, taking an action when it's, when it's time? Uh, not sitting idly by watching wrongs be done. Uh, I always think to myself, you know, I've been in situations where I, I saw something happening to somebody else and I jumped into it and stopped it or, or chased it away or did what I could. I wonder, though, how many people, um, you know, live in this, in this world of fear or this world of, of fragile nature where they see something going wrong and they just sit there and, 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 and be hurt. Um, we live in a world that has laws of physics. It has laws of uh, uh, real, real laws, and these are laws like gravity and thermodynamics and, and hydrodynamics and, and things that the universe operates on, the ways planets rotate, the, the, the way that things repel and attract each other. Um, electricity, all of these things happen in a particular way, and they happen whether you care about it or not. They happen whether you like it or not. They happen whether you get your feelings hurt by it or not. And they happen whether you acknowledge or follow those rules or not. But the problem is, is if you don't follow those rules, oftentimes really bad things happen. You ignore the law of gravity, and you might walk off a cliff and end up at the bottom. Um, you know, you in in ignore the laws of hydrodynamics, you might end up uh, getting washed away in a, in, a, in a flood. There's so many things. And it's not a personal thing. The water doesn't care. <laughs> it doesn't have feelings. And, and I just want people to realize sometimes they live in this world where there's things that we can change and there's things that we can't. And, you know, um, if you let yourself be affected by every little thing, you know, there's an old saying, don't sweat the small stuff. But there's a reason that saying came about, because when you sweat the small stuff too much, you don't get anything done. You find yourself crippled. And, you know, we're in a war. I, I mentioned this so many times on this show. Uh, they say the war on drugs. Well, it's not a war on drugs. It's a war on people. It's a war on civil rights. It's it's a war, though. And, and in a war, typically there's two sides, and one side is trying to do something to the other side whether or not the other side fights back. And if the other side doesn't fight back, they find themselves conquered. And they find that they lose even more. They give up whatever it is they had of their own, and it, it gets taken by the conquerors. And that's what happens here in our war on drugs. Uh, the enemy, which unfortunately happens to be members of our own government. I'm not going to say the whole government, but certainly members of it. And they've passed these laws and these rules and these regulations that have said that you can't do these certain things and you can't possess these certain things. You can't have these things. And if you do, you're breaking the law. 
And if you break the law, well, we can take your stuff, we can take your freedom, and we can put you through a miserable existence. So as we're talking about these things, these are really powerful um, experiences. These are really um, – uh, there could be no more powerful experiences. Many of these are just brutally painful uh, this show is riddled with tears from from guests and listeners, and and you know there's there's so much pain and suffering that goes on. But the point of the show is to bring awareness to these injustices and to provide uh, tools, to provide inspiration and resources and knowledge, and uh, to help each other rise up as a result. And sometimes that means that we say things. Uh, that might not be so easy on the ears. Sometimes we have to call a spade a spade. We have to call out a problem as we see it. Uh, when we began this show, I was very clear about what this was about. And it's kind of funny because over the years, many people have come to me after listening to the show regularly and they say, you know, it's kind of like going to church. And I thought to myself, the first time I heard that, I said, oh, that's kind of a compliment, I guess, because people hold church as a very dear part of their lives, uh, to, to worship, to seek a higher uh, energy, a higher power, a higher connection. Um, these are all things that we would find uh, to be elevating. So I thought to myself, well, that's you know quite an honor to be considered that. Then we thought about church, you know, what what would why do people go to church? And they they go to church a lot of times. I'm certainly not here to speak for everybody, but I believe uh a lot of times people come to church for fellowship. Uh they come to a place where people believe the way they believe. It doesn't matter what church it is, it could be any kind of church, it could be, you know, any kind of, of of spiritual path, but it's it's a place where you go it's a safe place typically. Churches are considered a sanctuary uh, by many people. It's a place where you might go to learn something. Um, it's a place where you might go to uh, to connect, to connect with something um, maybe that's, that's more complete than yourself. Um, and these are all things that people do uh, when they go to church. But if you've ever been to church, oftentimes you hear things uh, from a preacher or, or from, from a leader uh, that might not be very pleasant. Oftentimes things get called out in a church. Uh, evils are, are pointed out and clarified and, and causes of action and, and things that people can do, maybe even things that people should do or things that people shouldn't do, get brought to light. And these are all things that happen in churches of all kinds. And so I think to myself, you know, in order to to stand true to this, in order to uh, have this show be all that it can be, in order for this show to be uh, a value, hell, let's just be frank about it. If it's not a valuable thing, then there's no sense in having it. But if it is a valuable show, um, one of the things that you need to be able to do is count on something. And I want to lay out very carefully what you can count on when you listen to this show. For me, the host, the words I say on this show, I mean. I mean exactly the words that I say on this show. So if I say something such as, uh, this is a very bad thing, I don't mean anything else. I don't mean that you are bad because 
you are listening to me talk about this thing. I don't mean that everybody who has ever seen this thing is bad. I don't mean anything else. All I mean is exactly what I say. And I try to keep the conversations moving in such a way where that is the language that we speak. When people start just lambasting things or rambling on about things that, you know, can't be justified or qualified, I try to direct the the conversation away. Um, But when people are speaking, frankly, you shouldn't have to worry about saying the wrong word or, or picking the, the, the phrase that's not acceptable today or, or whatever it is. This is a place of knowledge. This is a place of, of, of love. This is a place of hopefully a higher existence. There is nothing that comes from this show that would be ever to be construed as damaging or, or anything other than uplifting and, and, and a resource. And I want everybody who's listening uh, to this show to realize that. So if ever you've been offended by anything I've said or you think that, uh, how could he say that, I would encourage you to get over it and let's move on. Because, frankly, the war on drugs has not even slowed down. And there are many people out there, many, many people out there. Every single day it happens, the, the number gets more and more, even though the news doesn't report it. People are getting arrested. People are getting charged. People are having their kids taken away. People are having their property removed. And people are facing criminal charges that could and sometimes do end them up in prison. And that's a reality. And we need to remember that. If we're going to be anywhere near this movement or call ourselves an activist or call ourselves anything that would be supportive of ending prohibition, then we need to realize that we're not done. We're a long way from being done, and maybe, maybe this would end sooner if more of us got involved. So that is my my little uh, two cents when it comes to this. And I have a little quick story to share. We've got a lot of callers that want to talk today. So before I go too much further, I'm really uh, tickled that we've got a lot of folks that want to talk. And remember, if you're ever listening to the show and you call the, our amazing screener uh, that goes by the the handle of Noncompliant Mary, um, she's going to ask you if you have anything that you want to add to the show, if you want to talk or you just want to listen, and you say, oh, I just want to listen. But as you're listening, a conversation comes up, and you all of a sudden finding yourself with something to say. All you have to do is hang up and call back. And when she picks up the phone again, you say, I have something to say. And that's the way that we can get through this. Um, if you want to call in the show, all you have to do is call 646-929-2495. It's just that simple. This show is, however, brought to you by the Coffee Party Radio Network, and I'm very grateful for uh, them giving us a place to be. Uh, they don't ask anything of us other than we show up and do a show. Um, don't have to give any sort of a message. Uh, just want to give a little gratitude that they give us a place to be. So today I met with a woman who I've known for many years, and uh, uh, she decided to get involved in a project I'm working on that's separate from the activism thing. And we were talking, and and, uh, I hadn't seen her in a while, and she brought up a point. She says, you know, Joe, I I wish I could do more. I, I, I remember when you were in court, and she had come to some of my court support days, and when you were 
brought in um, in custody. So, you know, I was coming, I was locked up and I got brought into court. They throw you on a bus. And in my case, they threw me in a cage while I was on a bus in full shackles as, as dangerous people would be. They drag you down stairs. And then when it's your turn to go up to court, they drag you upstairs and you go into court and they say, don't look at anybody. Um, just, you know, face forward. And of course, I'm not very good with rules. So I looked back. And when I looked back, you know, there's a there's a sense of, of I needed what I knew I was going to see. When I walked into court, I got a glimpse of the people that were in court. And I needed to look them in the eye. I needed to I needed to have what they brought there, that support. I fed off of it. It energized me. It filled me up like a battery. And I remember very clearly from my point of view what that was like. And I remember looking back for, I don't know, couldn't have been more than a one or two seconds, and the uh, bailiff yanked me to turn my head back. Um, but in that one to two seconds, I was able to scan the room briefly and look at everybody in the eye and literally fed off of that, and it, and it empowered me to to keep my my strength until the next time. Well, this woman was one of the people that was in the courtroom, and it was interesting because I hadn't thought about that moment in a while, and um, she brought it up. She says, you know, Joe, I I really want to help more than I do, but I can remember being in there in court. I can remember looking at you, and I just don't – I'm not strong enough to do that. And and it was something that was – it's so powerful and so moving to be in that moment when somebody is – does not have their freedom – and the people on the other side are, it's almost like a tug-of-war game, and they're trying to, to be there and, and provide that strength and hoping, you know, against all odds that something that happens today will cause that person to be free. And it's a very um, agonizing and very powerful experience that you will only find if you are in court there to support somebody who's going through it. And uh, I, I understood, and I told her, I said, you know, it's funny, when I was – Going through my case, six years, over 200 appearances, um, I sat in court most of the time on the on the gallery side, uh, but some of the times, you know, four times through the course of all these uh, cases, I was locked up and I got brought in, you know, from the other side, and I've experienced both sides of it. Um, and I, when it, when I was going through it, you know, there couldn't be a more personal experience. There couldn't be an experience that is more um, moving to the person that's going through it. And when it was happening, I was giving everything I could to to get this support. And I, I spoke everywhere I could speak. I went on everybody else's radio shows. I, 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 I begged, borrowed, bribed, did everything I could to get as many people as I could to show up. And when I saw people that were unable to make it, or they, you know, they had their excuses. Oh, I'm there with you in spirit, and all the bullshit that, you know, happened. Um, there, I got a little bit bitter for a minute, and it was difficult. I, I, I tried to always keep on the positive side of things, but I would watch people, and they would always have the time and energy to go to the football game, or the concert, or the pot event, or the party, or whatever it was. But then when it came to court. The thing that was, you know, in my life, the most important thing, uh, there was a reason why. I don't have money. I just can't, whatever. There was always these, these reasons. 
And fortunately enough, people did come. Because uh, if it wasn't for all the people that did come, I would likely probably be finishing up a, a, a prison term right now. Um, even in the best of scenarios, I'd probably just be wrapping it up. Um, but while I was locked up, I had time to think. That's really mostly what you have. And one of the things I thought about while I was locked up was, what do I have control over? Because when you're locked up, you don't have much control over much. And, you know, I thought about it a lot. I was sitting there on a bunk with 160 other guys in this one room <coughs> trying to, you know, keep out of trouble, trying to mind my own business. So you have time to go internal. You have time to think about, you know, your experience and, and where you're at. And one of the things that I did think a lot about was, you know, what can I do? Um, and, and, and what do I, how do I feel about everything else? And at one point I realized I don't control anybody. I don't, hell, I don't want to control anybody. Um, and everybody's path is their own, and my path is my own. And all I can do is the best I can do. And, and, I, and I sleep, and I slept well even then, and I sleep well now, knowing that I do my very best. And if somebody does or doesn't do something I want them to, it's not on me. It's on them. And those people are, are affected by everything that we do. My efforts were... were were recognized, they inspired some, uh, they frightened others, they they had a, a myriad of different um, outcomes, but it wasn't for me to judge. And at one point, uh, while I was locked up in 2012, I just remember sort of letting that go, and I focused on what I could control. I focused on my attitude. I focused on my presence where I was at. I focused on uh, my connection to the outside. And uh, when I told her that, I said, look, you know, everybody does what they can. Some people are, are weak in some ways and strong in others. And some people don't realize, you know, she said, I, I tried to share the message. I said, you know what, maybe something you did by sharing the message reached somebody who could show up and be more strong than you were. And, and that's what we have to remember is that we're going to do what we can. That's what I'm going to encourage you to do as you're listening to this show and you're listening to the calls and you're listening to the people that are affected by the war on drugs and people that are affecting the war on drugs. Just remember, um, your experience is, or, or this world, the paradigm that <clears throat> you exist in, is the sum total of you and everything else and everybody else that's in it, their actions. And it can change. It changes constantly. It's the most dynamic in, environment that there could be. And all it takes is you to make a decision uh, to be a part of the solution, to end prohibition to do something uh, just get it in your head start there and if you already have it in your head maybe make a decision to take an action maybe participate more in a group that you're in or join a group that's already working at this uh, maybe show up at court for somebody maybe write a letter maybe make a phone call um, but whatever it is realize that you do affect the outcome of, of everything that's around you and by not doing anything uh, maybe that's sometimes a more powerful action than doing something. So that's my little tirade for today. I think I ran a little long on that, but that's all right. We've got a lot of guests, and uh, let's see. I'm going to go ahead and sort of cue everybody up. We've got Shauna Banda up first and Stacy swanson Crafts from Kansas, and uh, we're going to get an update on what's going on. Then we've got Dr. Allen 
Um, then we have uh, Kirk Short. And then we have uh, Lori and Galen from Nevada and Damon Beck from Oklahoma. And if you're sitting here listening and uh, you have to hurry up or there's some reason why you're going to have to get off, you won't be able to talk, if you hit the number one on your keypad, it'll bump you up higher up on the list. And if I see that happening, I will rotate the um, the order and make it so that you can <laughs> talk to Alan. He jumped in jumped in ahead. All right, Doc Allen. Well, uh, Shauna's coming up first, and then we'll bring up Doc Allen next, and we'll go on from there. So, um, you know, uh, Shauna, welcome to the show. If you don't know Shauna, um, she's been an activist for many, many years, and uh, she's a Crohn's patient and has gone through just uh, incredible amounts of health issues. Um, and a couple of years ago, found herself in a brutal situation uh, as a result of, unfortunately, our D.A.R.E. program and uh, an educated child. You want to take it from there, Shauna? Yeah. Uh, well, in March of 2015, my son was in class and corrected a uh, education officer in the school um, saying that uh, his mom called it cannabis instead of marijuana and then was escorted out to find out what more he knew. Um, I fought and won my child in need of care case and I, um, I went to court pro se for my divorce and I won 50% custody of my child with um, pending felony charges. So I think I'm doing really well. Right now I am in Wichita with Stacy, and we have been going through um, a mountain of medical records. And before I give you an update on my case, I want to go ahead and let you bring in uh, Dr. David Allen because not only is he going through his own stuff, but he's also taking that extra step and helping uh, us out on my case because he went through 5,000 pages of medical records. And he's calling in tonight to uh, give an update on that. Okay. Well, give me one second. I'm going to bring him up as well. That way we'll have a uh, live on on all three sides. Just remember, um, if you guys are have an open mic, just uh, try to keep the background noise to a minimum because this uh, blog talk uh, station just really seems to capture all that. So, uh, Dr. Allen, you are live on the air. Welcome to the show. You're here with Shauna Banda and myself. Hey, Joe. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining can you hear me. I can. I can hear you loud and clear. Great. So, how's it doing tonight? What's going on? Well, it's it's doing well. Shauna was just uh, uh, letting us know that uh, you're going to be participating in in her case. It sounds like. Well, um, I she sent me her medical records, and it was uh, two DVDs uh, worth of stuff. One from one hospital, and then one from another. And it was near it sounds 4, like a lot 000, of information. There's 4,000 pages of information I had to look through. And uh, she's 
got the diagnosis of uh, of Crohn's disease, and she's had previous small bowel obstructions. So she's she knows what a small bowel obstruction is, and um, uh, she's you know been tortured in hospitals. So she's kind of reluctant to get care at hospitals because hospitals really don't believe in marijuana and they only believe in pharmaceuticals. And when they, when their pharmaceuticals don't work, they don't know anything else, but throw more pharmaceuticals at you. And, uh, they, uh, there's a, a new, um, business plan that hospitals have taken over. And it's kind of started, uh, at, Kaiser Permanente type, type hospitals, insurance run hospitals. And uh, what the issue is, is this. When your doctor used to have admitting privileges, and if you went to your doctor and you had appendicitis or something, he would admit you to the hospital. And he would order all the tests, and if you needed a consultant or something, he would order the consultant. Well, that business model isn't, isn't a very efficient one. And um, so in the hospitals have minimal uh, uh, ability to curtail, curtail your doctor's orders. So what they've done is this, <clears throat> you know, there's an ethical rule that, that all departments of hospitals have to be run by a physician. And the reason is, is for instance, like your, the radiology department, if the radiology department was run by a, an administrator, then they would make uh, medical decisions based on finances. But a doctor would makes medical decisions based on medical necessity. And so it used to be illegal for an administrator to uh, be in control of any department. And so what the, the, what the CEOs have done is they've invented this new program called Hospitalist. And so they hire a couple medicine guys, and they call them Hospitalist, and they everybody to the hospital, and no doctor has admitting privileges to the hospital. You have to be a hospitalist to admit patients to the hospital. And by this mechanism, they can control the hospitalist, what they order, and they can control costs. And so essentially they're playing doctor by proxy because they, they're basically these, these doctors are so these hired. people have no medical training? No, they're, they're medical doctors. But oh, the, see, there the, are the, doctors that are the hospitalists. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, but, but they work for the hospital, and since they work for the hospital, the hospital can control exactly, well, you ordered too many CAT scans or whatever. Got it. You know, so they, so the new business model is to have hospitalists. Now, so the hospitalist job is to prevent excessive testing and procedures being done. And so what they try to do is they always try to lowball everything that comes in. And uh, so when Shona came in, she says, look, I think I have a small bowel obstruction. I've had one before. It's exactly like I had before. I think I got it again. And they say, oh, well, we can't really prove that. All the tests we've done, it's equivocal. 
and uh, we think you should get a GI consult. And the GI doctor came in and said, well, we're just going to give you steroids. And she says, well, I've had steroids. I've had this and that. I've had all kinds of uh, complications from it. I'm not taking your steroids. And, and so the GI doctor says, well, I guess there's nothing I can do for you. I'm signing off the case. And so she begged him to get a general surgery doctor to come see her. And when, when that happens, it takes it out of the hospitalist control. So they try to avoid that at all costs. And I've seen this in my own practice as a surgeon. Hospitalists and cardiologists try to avoid um, getting consults with surgery and, general, and cardiac surgery because of the cost involved. And so uh, after the, the, the surgeon got involved, he took her to surgery immediately, found what she had was a small bowel obstruction, just exactly like she predicted, and they uh, took it out and did a reanastomosis, and, and uh, the pathology revealed that, indeed, she had a significant bowel obstruction that would not be cured by giving her more steroids. So she, she forced the hospital's hand to give her the proper medical therapy. Now, now hold on one second. Um, Shauna, did you do this knowing that that's what you had to do, or did you just stumble into that? No, that's what I absolutely had to do, and that, that's my re- most So you knew the hospital history. system enough that said when they were trying to sort of force you into this uh, pharma uh, solution that you had already been through and knew wasn't going to work, you knew if you could get a certain uh, action to happen, meaning you get this, this specialist to come in and, and take on the case or even see you, that that would shift the course of what the hospital could and would do. Yeah, I needed to see a surgeon because I knew that I had scar tissue obstructing. I knew that um, steroids were not going to help the scar tissue. I knew that biologics were not going to help the scar tissue. And but if you hadn't have been through all that before, and if you hadn't have known that this was going to be the case, you would have more or less been kicked to the curb. It, well, she I would have been treated with medicine. She would have agreed to done the, the medicine thing, and she would have had worsening of her symptoms and probably had a, had a, a fatal event. Uh, wow. I almost died. I was like, get in the car and go. And she's like, well, um, she was like, drive here and come get me. I'm like, that's four more hours that we don't have. And she was turning gray. And she vomited so on the way there. So for everybody listening, this is Stacy swanson Craft, who is talking right now. And stacy has been uh, by Shauna's side kind of from at least most of the beginning of this and uh, has, has been real helpful in in all aspects of this, not only uh, making sure she's getting medical care, but um, helping out with the case and in and, and every which way there is to help. She's, uh, um, you know, one of these, what I call a, a most valuable advocate. If, if uh, you don't have somebody like a Stacy in your, in your ring, uh, it's going to be a, a much rougher road, I can assure you. So, um, so Dr. Allen, you, you've got 4,000 pages of medical records. That to me, not being medically trained, um, would seem like a huge 
case history. It would seem to me that you you wouldn't get that kind of a of a medical record unless there was something seriously at issue. Um, you you couldn't fake your way through that uh, even if you wanted to. Is that am I even close? Yes, it almost took me two days to go through all of that. All, all two, four thousand pages. It was like a, an immense uh, undertaking, and this lady has severe disease that's proven by pathology and surgery, and so she's not making things up, and uh, she's been abused by the system before, and uh, she escaped the hospital this, this time. And so. people don't understand. Sick is one personal hell. It's your own personal prison that you can't get out of. And sometimes you're at the mercy of physicians. And when they don't listen to you, because it took me two weeks to convince them that I really needed surgery. Yeah. And, and in addition, they, they have prejudice against any, if you mention that you use cannabis, they treat you like a pariah because... As you know, Joe, uh, I did a study about four years ago where I called all the medical schools in the United States, and we asked the director of the curriculum if they were teaching the endocannabinoid signaling system to to medical students. And the answer was only 13% even mention it. Nobody has organized courses. So most of these doctors are completely unaware of the endocannabinoid signaling system. If you say, oh, cannabis helps me, in any way, they think you're just a drug addict and have drug-seeking behavior. And that's the, the as much as their thought processes go. And so they treat you, uh, they treat you uh, like you're a second-class citizen. It sounds so. almost like uh, the court system. And, and so for everybody who doesn't get this, you know, if you've ever been through a medical issue from a broken bone to a, a severe a chronic disorder to a cancer, whatever it is, it, it, it's life-consuming. You know, you, 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 it takes everything you have. Sometimes it takes efforts you don't have to carry on. And, and being a parent on top of this um, uh, is, you know, insurmountable. But... And this is where I just want people to try to wrap your heads around what this, what Shauna is going through right now. And, and, and I understand it from some points of view. I, I'm, I'm not a mom, but I'm a dad. And I know, I know, you know, all of these elements fortunately never landed at me at the same time. But having a court case with felony charges on you, especially in a toxic place like Kansas, is as powerful of a of an oppression in my opinion as as a medical case a medical case would probably trump it because your life is ultimately the one thing that you've got to fight for even over your freedom but it's just a hair's breadth away and imagine having both of these things laying on you at the same time and if i'm not mistaken shauna you had a hearing um during one of the most recent bouts or you were supposed to have a hearing what was going on with that yeah, I was supposed to have a hearing. I believe it was November first. It was my the hearing that I missed, and that was the day I got released from the hospital after my surgery. 
And um, and it, I just, honestly, I didn't care because I was fighting for my life at that point. And um, I, didn't, I didn't care that I had missed my court date at all. Well, and, and, and that's probably one of the only things, aside from insanity, that would cause you to not care about a court case like this. And, and that's to bring this into perspective for people who, you know, either have been through some life-threatening ailment or have been through court or, God forbid, both. When we have somebody who's standing up and willing to stand up and fight and take their case to trial and not roll over and take that sweet plea deal that's going to land at your feet, my question is this. The community, regardless of what they think or think they think or care about or don't care about, needs to stand up and be supportive of this individual and this case because this person is representing all of us, all of humanity that finds itself in an oppressive situation anywhere in the world at all, ever. And and it just blows me away sometimes that there isn't this just overpowering uh, wave of, of outrage, the same way that there is about immigration issues or the same way there is about political issues or the same way there is about whatever, name your your pet, you know, butthurt thing, why don't we all get butthurt when oppressive governments are taking people who never harmed an individual in their life and are not even accused of harming anybody and are taking away their freedoms and facing felony charges, even if it was just one. Why isn't there this outrage? And and I, I'm going to encourage everybody listening to this show to maybe get a little bit outraged. Maybe, maybe keep listening. Maybe listen more and get some details about what we can do. And, and that's a big part of what this is about. So, Shauna, we're going to fast forward just a little bit. You are now um, hopefully healing up a lot more than you were. Uh, how, how, what's your health situation like today? It's been a few months since your operation. I'm still, um, you know, I'm still healing. This last operation took a whole lot out of me, and so I'm still fatigued. Um, I have about a few hours a day where I can function and get up and do things, but then after that I'm, you know, I'm kind of needing to rest or sit around not being able to do much, you know. So um, I'm still healing, and uh, but I'm gaining weight. I'm doing really good. And, uh, you know, the the toughest part is, is having to go through, you know, having to go through these medical records myself and, you know, realize I've got PTSD from all the stuff that I've experienced in um in the medical system and uh and I remember why I, I fight so hard for this because I'm you know and and just you know I'm reading surgeries off and she doesn't even remember them. I'm like, well, what is this? She's like, I have no idea, and we have to look it up. 
And she'll be like, I don't even remember having that done. But it happened. And it's just, it's it's hard because not only is she sick, but once she gets in those medical records, it's like it adds to the sickness double. It's like it's, it's almost like she shuts down. Well, it's debilitating for anybody. We've had uh, a number of of shows that we talked about PTSD, and I'll always talk about it because I suffer from it. And anybody who's ever been raided, anybody who's ever had a gun stuck in their head, anybody who's ever had their family, uh, you know, my my wife and my daughter were had had their gun stuck in their heads, and you know the the trauma of that. I still heart pounds every time a helicopter goes over. Uh, it's 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 the real deal, and, and I pride myself on on a lot of self control over my own crap. And yet uh, that helicopter comes, or I see a a cop rolling up behind me, and the heart starts pounding. Even if I've got nothing, no reason whatsoever, it just happens. And and so um, to be in a frail state like that, fortunately, you know everything I went through, I, I went through with a reasonable uh, amount of health behind me. So. I couldn't imagine. I just could not imagine going through uh, this uh, in a weakened state. Um, so where are we at now with your case? We, we spoke um, for a little while yesterday, and uh, you're coming up on on an arraignment. Um, and so for people who don't realize how the court system works, we're going to abbreviate it. Um, if you get arrested, um, you'll be held and either released on bail or on your own recognizance. Um, or held without bail. Um, at one point, they got 72 hours to uh, file charges on you, and you will have a court date. Um, and if they don't file charges, um, but you were arrested on a felony count or a felony uh, warrant, they have three years to file. Um, in Shauna's case, what they took almost a year before they actually filed on you? Was it a whole year? I think it wasn't a whole year. It was several months, though. About nine months or something. Yeah, it was a while, though. It was, they didn't they didn't jump at you right away. So when they do that, then you answer charges, and you, you plead not guilty or whatever your plea is. At that point, they can actually hit you with bail again if they want to. Um, oftentimes they don't, but they can. Then you go through a series of, um, you know, get your lawyer settled, and, and uh, there's an opportunity for there uh, to be some sort of early motions. And then they, you have what's called a preliminary hearing or some other version of that, but it's a, it's a, it's a preliminary hearing. And in this case, the judge will uh, listen to the case. Uh, the prosecutors will get a chance to present their case. Usually they bring some witnesses. In my case, they brought in five days' worth of witnesses, and they didn't give me uh, a word to say. Um, but the judge will rule at the end of this uh, whether or not he allows defense witnesses or not if there's enough evidence before him to bind this over for trial. Most of the time he says yes. Very once in a great while they'll throw a case out at prelim. But when this happens, then you go and you're arraigned a second time because now you're facing a trial. And so that's the state that you're at, um, and you're you're basically going to go in and uh, answer the charges after the judge has ruled that uh, he saw enough that says there's there's grounds for a trial here. Um, and, and oftentimes, this is one of the most critical uh, stages at the prelim because the judge could throw the case out, um, but most of the time they don't. Um, and after you have your arraignment. 
that's when things start to really start moving towards towards your trial. That's when they'll try to aggressively uh, give you a plea deal. It's a time for your attorney to step up and do his job. This is a time where the, the motions can and should be filed. This is a time where motions for dismissal, motions for uh, motions in limiting to uh, to limit witnesses and testimony, wa- motions to uh, attack the warrant. You can quash or traverse a warrant because of uh, you know problems with it. And any of these things that happen, if if the warrant was found to be an error, the case gets thrown out. It's done. Your case is over. Uh, and sometimes that's where your civil case could begin. Um, uh, there's a motion to dismiss um, that, uh, you know, if, if properly laid out, um, the judge, even though he ruled uh, that there was uh, sufficient evidence to bind over to trial, the judge could rule that, you know, actually based on these grounds, understanding this, there is no case here, and the judge can rule that it's dismissed. And, of course, you know, the prosecutor can add or remove or dismiss all the charges at any given time. So that's where you're at right now, if I'm not mistaken. Well, right now we're going to go into uh, the schedule of motion hearing, my arraignment, and we're going to be able to have uh, testimony from expert witnesses. And one of those witnesses is actually um, Dr. David Allen. And maybe he can uh, give us a little update on what his qualifications are and maybe what he'll touch base on um you know what, uh, Dr. Allen dropped off. A lot of times up there where he's at, up in NorCal, uh, the uh, the signal gets really wonky. Uh, he dropped off just a couple of minutes ago. Hopefully he'll be able to call back and give us an update about that because uh, his testimony could be the most important element of this case. Uh, you know, in Kansas, it's a state that doesn't have any sort of medical defense, um, but we have a medical necessity or in the case in this case we may be trying to get a biological necessity which basically says that you need this to survive it's it's there's not any other medicine that can do for you what this medicine can do and it's essential for your life is that more or less what we're looking at yeah and biological necessity i'm hoping will go even further um, by uh, focusing on the endocannabinoid system, which exists in all humans, and uh, you know, it's the largest system in all mammals of the planet. So, understood and proven in uh, court, I hope that the uh, ramifications of that will have, you know, wide effects, worldwide effects. Well, and that's one of the reasons that all of this, that's so important that you're standing up on this case because, you know, you're you're boldly going where people have not gone before and you don't break ground unless you walk where people haven't gone. And, you know, it's scary as hell. And, uh, you know, in my case, at least I had a law that was supposed to protect me. Um, you're going up against this thing with, you know, with, 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 you know this this medical necessity that some courts um, are standing up and allowing, and others are rejecting. Um, but this is again where the community support, I believe, plays such a big part. 
Um, and that's where what, what where we're at right now. Um, you, when you and I spoke yesterday, we talked about an amicus brief, and I reached out to a couple of people um, about that. And an amicus brief is a uh, what they call a friend of the court brief, and it's uh, it's a filing by an entity or an individual um, that will support a position, and it could be filed on behalf of a defense or prosecution. Um, and I got mixed reviews about where it was applicable. Initially, I got um, from one source that it was only um, useful in an appeal, Um, but then I got from another source that it was useful in potentially a civil trial, but I, and another source yet told me that it was possible um, that it could be accepted in a criminal trial. So apparently there's a lot of latitude with the court as to uh, the acceptance of an amicus brief. Um, As a civil rights organization and as a 501c3, I am reaching out to anybody who uh, is capable um, of of constructing an amicus brief and is willing to do so on our behalf um, for Shauna's and other cases that rely on uh, something like a medical necessity or a biological necessity defense, where there isn't just a strong case law to to, to support uh, behavior and actions. Um, I've experienced the power of just bringing everything there is to bear, and you never know which thing is that one little thing, the straw that breaks the camel's back. You never know which phone call, which letter, which uh, article, which whatever, which 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 coverage from which TV show is the thing that pushes it over. Um, But we do know this, that when there's enough public outcry, when there's enough support, support is something that, again, it's like a tug-of-war game. When you go into court initially, it's you and this big old army pulling against you, and they just throw you around like anything. But all of a sudden you start gathering a few of your friends, and you start pulling back, and you've come to find out that they're not all that damn strong. Um, when there's enough of us on our side of the rope. And um, I've witnessed it so many times that that when the community gets behind a case, uh, the court system usually acknowledges it. And if we do it well, if we do it effectively without this element of crazy, without this element of, of, you know, fringe, um, it's even more effective. And that's why bringing in medical professionals uh, like Dr. Allen. Now, I also have... um, Dolores Halbin, um, who's a, a, a nurse with the Cannabis Nurses Association, and um, she's also offered to participate in cases, and she's going to be coming on in a little bit. Um, but I do, I do need to move forward, and I want to get make sure that we get to everything that, that we need to bring up. So uh, we talked yesterday about um, some actions. I always try to uh, take a case like this and – Number one, um, have regular updates because people have a very short attention span and a very short uh, memory. And so it's important to just, you know, like the the opening song, the beat goes on, you just got to keep pounding that drum into our head and and just keep reminding people that, you know, your support is is important, your support is, is powerful, your support is necessary, and everything you do is valuable. So... Um, my question to you, Shauna and Stacy, assuming that there's you know ten or fifteen thousand people listening to this show right now, or will be listening to archive version of it, what can they do? What can we do right now to help? 
there are several different ways that uh, people can help out. Um, one way is to get on AuthorHouse.com and look up Live For Your Die, the book, and purchase a book. Another way is, this is a wonderful way Grassroots is coming together, is Lindsay McGant has uh, been inspired to paint a beautiful portrait of uh, myself, and she is offering um, prints on canvas or on wood, and you can find her on Facebook and send her a private message, and she'll be able to let you know the pricing on that. And then another way to um, help out is to look out for, um, they're calling it Shauna Stock. And there's two different versions of, and one is a compilation album that's going to be uh, released soon. And then another one is a festival that they are still trying to um, get all of the planning uh underway and in the work, so that's still to be determined, but the compilation album is coming along beautifully. People have actually sent in uh, spoken testimonials, and um, and over 60 bands have contributed music to it, so uh, from all around the world, so it is uh, beautiful and uh, heartwarming to watch everyone come together for this. So, and yeah. Well, that's awesome. It, it, these events can be powerful. Uh, these these events can uh, can make a big difference. Um, how, if somebody is motivated to help today, uh, what can they do uh, to help you? How do they reach you? If somebody just says, you know what, I am moved to do something special for Shauna, um, how do they reach you? They can they can absolutely uh, message me through Facebook. They can get a hold of um, Stacy. They can if someone wants to just donate some uh, money to help me out. Uh, I've got a PayPal account which is just PayPal.me forward slash Shauna Banda and. Um, and that is another way to help out. Oh, I just got a date on the release for the compilation album, and that would be Monday, uh, March 20th is when the compilation album is going to come out. So wow, that's coming, that's coming up in uh, less than a week. Well, here's what I'd yeah. like to do. Um, I do have David from Kansas that um, has a couple of words they want to say, um, and I just want to encourage everybody, uh, you know, um, you make a difference, and um, if you've got time to listen to this show, if you've got the energy and the wherewithal uh, to participate, um, whether you're a Human Solution member or just somebody who, um, you know, wants to make a difference out there, uh, let's do it. You know, if Shauna wins, we all win, and that's is the most important thing. Um, Shauna is a beautiful human being that is uh larger than herself, and it's, it's, it's important that we have our arms out and, and help hold her up. Um, I also want to, uh, if you could reach out to Lindsay. I, I love Lindsay. I haven't talked to her in a couple of years, um, but see if she wants to come on the show. Maybe 
next week you guys can uh, uh, get a couple of cuts from the new album, and uh, we can play on the show and uh, have Lindsay come out and talk about her art and um, and all of that. Uh, Lindsay's a love Lindsay. Uh, she came out to my house uh, uh, a while ago before, actually right when I got out of jail one of the times. Um, and so that would be great. Um, all right, so we're going to bring David up here. Uh, we've got just a couple of minutes, and then we've got uh, up next we have uh, Kirk Short, Laurie, and Galen. And we have Damon Beck from Oklahoma, and we have Shelby Lucera. She came on the line just recently. She had a victory last week, and I really hope she can stick on and tell us all about it. I'm real excited to hear about Shelby's uh, situation. And, of course, we have Dolores Halbin. She's going to give us a Kansas update, and we're supposed to have Lisa Sublett join us as well. Hopefully she can make it. Um, all right, so, David, we've got a couple of minutes um, real quick. Uh, you're on with Shauna and a cup of Joe. Welcome. How you doing, Joe? Hi, Shauna. Uh, Hi, Next thing I want to know is, Shauna, do you need any more insure? No, David, I do not. <laughs> okay. Uh, on the All update, done with the insure, huh? <laughs> uh, on the updates, I was listening to the Kansas Senate today. They were supposed to have Senate Bill 155 come up, but it never made it to the floor. They adjourned early. So that's still up in the air. Uh, that's okay, about all I so that's part of what uh, the Kansas update is. I I understand that that bill got gutted pretty badly, though. Is that the case? Yeah, they they gutted it and stuck a bill in from last year. Uh, kind of a CBD bill, right? Really, rest- well, it it actually restricts the CBD. Oh boy. Yeah, when, well, when right I, now the kids are getting it over the counter for the seizure kids. And oh, we can't have that. <laughs> well, no, I must be stopped. This new bill uh, is saying that you have to get it, uh, a prescription from a doctor and go to the pharmacy, and no pharmacy carries it. So there will be an interim where nothing will be available. Well, that seems and to be the that, way they like it. unacceptable. It is, and then I think it's time again. Uh, you know, Lisa and uh, Chris have been pounding the, the floor at the Capitol uh, building in Kansas for, geez, weeks now, and I think it's uh, we just really need to keep beating that drum. So, David, yes, thank you so are. much for your update, and uh, uh, blessings from from this side of the, of the valley. Uh, you guys have a great night. All right. All right, Shauna, Stacy, is there anything uh, that you want to uh, call a parting shot here? We love you. Well, we love you time. back. And, uh, you know, I just want to tell anyone from Kansas who's listening in about what's going on politically um, behind the scenes because it's all political games and a rat race. And um, I just want to remind everyone that I found my, my cure when I lived in Kansas, and um, and I named my book Live for Your Die for a reason, and I just want everyone to remember to love themselves enough to live no matter what any law says. Never be ashamed to fight for your life. 
And um, her court date are June 26th through the 29th, or the 28th. So unless that changes, we're going to need people there. We're going to need court support for that one. We really don't want everyone to waste their money on the other ones. We'd rather have everyone there for the main deal. Well, let, let's get this calendar date up on the up on the calendar, and let's keep beating the drum. And, you know, it's time now. You, June comes real quick, and it's time to start uh, rallying the troops, organizing some uh, a ride share whatever, by whatever means necessary. I've seen it, what happens when we mobilize. Uh, it's time to start mobilizing. So, all right, well, thank you both for being here. Um, come on next week if you can because it looks like um, – you know, we got this new album that I'd like to hear a couple of cuts from, and I definitely uh, see if we can get Lindsay to join us. Absolutely. I will send her your love. Beautiful. All right, we'll talk to you guys very soon, um, and we're going to continue on. All right, again, that was Shauna Banda and Stacy swanson Crafts from Kansas, and, uh, uh, you know, this is a battlefront. You know, they talk about battleground states. Well, Kansas is most definitely a battleground state in this battle, uh, really important. All right, we've got Kurt Sh- Kirk Short to speak, um, and based on the area code, looks like he's up in uh, the NorCal region. And let's see what's going on with Kirk. Kirk, welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going fantastic. How about yourself? Well, I'll find out on the 12th of next month. I've been going through a five-year battle myself. Oh, boy. I, uh, I I feel for you, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I had, was told to plead guilty after my second surgery by my attorney, which my first attorney that was appointed to me, he retired. And when I get back, every bit of my evidence is missing. So he goes, well, to get more time, and I want this to grow hair, plead guilty, and then we're going to file a motion to dismiss when we get all the evidence. Well, the evidence they were supposed to be collecting was it was a bunch of crooked cops that were going around stealing everybody's legal gross. And me being a cancer patient, I should have been more than legal in the state. I had all my permits. But uh, they arrested me and took my kid for three days from me. I got him right back because I went to the, went to the uh, state and showed him I had all my permits. I'm a cancer patient. They gave me my kid right back. But he was gone for three days. But when they were transporting me, the police officer that actually gave me permission to open up my collective to begin with and the landlord, he's the one transporting me, and I asked him to put me inside restraints because I have uh, arthroarthritis or I have bone-on-bone. Bone. Well, I didn't have bone-on-bone, bone, but I have bone-on-bone bone now, but I already had a shoulder surgery once on that shoulder and I was telling them between that and my abdomen surgery where they just cut out a bunch of my intestines for cancer uh, it's going to be an uncomfortable ride to drive from Placerville all the way into Sacramento for a hearing well he didn't give me the side restraints and then when we get in the car the man asked me to sit up straight and I said I physically can't so at that point he throws it in reverse and he opens my door and he tells me to lean forward. I think he's going to give me double cuffs. No, the guy ripped me out, slammed me head first into the ground. I started yelling for the CO that was in there. That was actually more than helpful. He let me use his own personal cell phone, thought it was bullshit that they were picking on a cancer patient over marijuana. But anyways, I was yelling for this 
CO to come out, and at this point, the cop dropped his knee right into my cancer site where I just had an operation about eight months earlier. And I start screaming in pain, and at that point, he starts choking me with one hand, and he puts his hand, his hand in all over the top of my nose and mouth where I couldn't breathe. And at that point, here comes Officer Kent, and he put him off of me. And he put me in side restraints. Well, he did it in the Sally Port in front of 30 cameras. Oh, really? Yeah. So right now my lawyers are trying to get the tapes, and they were uh, subpoenaed uh, on the 18th, and certified mail went into the jail to preserve those tapes. This happened on the 12th, and on the 18th they signed certified mail saying that they would not get rid of the evidence. But so far they haven't produced it. And that was part of my guilty plea in front of the judge. I told him I pled guilty to get out of mandatory minimum sentencing. So they're talking I could do 25 years. I don't got 25 years left. I don't have the health to make it that far. So they wanted me to die in prison. So, of course, I'm going to kneel down and say, yeah, guilty. But anyways. This is in California. Yeah. This is in California where where yes. uh, we've had a medical law for 20 years, uh, going on 21 years, and where we just passed a recreational law uh, just this last year, and where people don't believe that this kind of thing can happen. And yet, case after case, i got more cases that come out of California than anywhere else, to be frank. But uh, it's unbelievable. You know, I guilty, but the judge asked me, "Was I promised anything?" And I said, "Yes, I want the internal affairs investigation into the crooked cops that took my marijuana that day, my state legal marijuana that day, and I want the Sally Port tapes so I can show the world where this guy just beat the crap out of me and put me into two more surgeries. He squished my intestines to a point that they closed together, and I had to be cut open again. So." Yeah. Wow. And then the judge says, well, he doesn't really care that that happened. I could sue them civilly, but uh, we're still, you know, it doesn't matter that you've lost blood and guts over this. We still think you need to do some jail time. (laughs) Wow. But he's going to allow me to go to a McIntosh hearing where he said he could dismiss my case if I show that I was state legal, which my, my cards came from my hematologist's. And then uh, I that did have be state legal. a pretty strong card to play. Yeah, and then I had state legal cards for the co-op where I was uh, well, a volunteer. All I was there was a volunteer grower, and they didn't go after the president of the, the co-op or nothing, just me, just me. And it's because I was, uh, you know, I was – listed as the cultivator on the 99 plant script that the cops wanted to steal. And there was several, several growers involved in growing that marijuana. In fact, I hadn't even been in the state for two, about a month prior to my arrest because I was in Alaska, actually, in a deposition where I was suing the feds over my cancer issues. That's a whole separate story, wow. though. Wow. So well, I wasn't even uh, in when, the when is your next hearing? It's on the 12th of uh, April. Mac okay. And are, are you uh, are you connected with Tom Corby? Um, I've talked to him, I think, a few times here and there over the last few years. Okay. Hanging out with LB and stuff. 
All right. Well, he can be very helpful in uh, in getting the information out on our calendar. Um, you know, this is the kind of case that just drives me nuts. Um, unfortunately, there's just so damn many of them. Uh, I, I wish I know. more and more people would, would be willing to, uh, you know, keep fighting and ask for the community's help, and that's what we're here for. So um, I, you know, I offer our, our help as... Non-compliance sticking in. I'll be happy to talk to Kurt after and, and add him to the calendar and, and that kind of thing. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Okay. Yeah, and Mary just went through her own uh, her own issue, and, and, you know, she had the same, you know, debilitating issues. It's, it's, it's unbelievable, the people that get picked to be soldiers in this. Um, uh, but nonetheless, <laughs> we stand tall and we stand together, and uh, Mary will uh, get everything that you need. And, and please feel free to uh, check back with the show anytime if you've got an update or you want, just have something you want to say. Um, that's what yeah. the show's here for. All right, thank you. All right, Kurt. Well, I, I very much appreciate you coming aboard, and uh, just know that that uh, your case is the reason that our organization exists. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's exactly just, just like I even like today I went to because I in the place where I was the warehouse I had rented the landlord got permission and everything else I shared a parking lot with the tax ladies well the tax ladies business kept getting busted in until I moved in and you know I had my dog with me there all the time and their place quit getting busted in and they loved me they were the ones doing all my tax paperwork and all the taxes for that place and they told me just today They'd write me a letter, and, you know, it was just embarrassing for me to even walk in there and ask for help, you know, and they were just happy to see I was still alive because they knew I was going through all these problems. But they told me they'd write me out the letter, they'd show up for the Macintosh hearing if they wanted me there. So I wasn't even doing my own taxes. I had people doing it for me. Right, right. Well, again, um, you know, there are so many injustices that happen, and this is – shining a light on it, and I think if we keep shining these lights and pointing out where the corruption happens, bringing attention yeah. to it, it's going to, that's how you, that's how you get rid of things, uh, and yeah, that's how you make the real change they out there. You, they let you put so much money into the community, building a, a place up, and before the place could even make anything or even do anything for you, one of the reasons why I decided to want to be a cultivator is because I can't do labor work anymore after my cancer surgery. You know, right. so that was one of the reasons why I picked this occupation because I figured, you know, I had something to offer down here in California. That's why I moved down here from Alaska. Well, that's why we 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 had the law the way we have it, and and have you know collectives and and cooperatives uh, have a, a a way to exist so that whoever uh, has whatever they have to contribute can, and and those that need can take from it, and it, it, it works yeah. great in theory. Only when the law enforcement oh. leaves us alone. All right, Kirk. Well, I uh, appreciate you right, checking well, in, you. and uh, you've got our support. And uh, hope to hopefully, uh, I would actually love to hear some good news that comes out of this hearing, and maybe they'll finally let it go, and you can get on yeah, and get so. get moving forward. Yeah, it's hard not to take a deep breath knowing this ain't holding over your head for five years. You know, I, I you fully appreciate it. it. All right, man. All right, again, Kirk Short. Uh, you know, fighting the battle. We're here with you. All right, uh, let's see. We've got – wow, we're pl- plowing through time here. Um, let's look at our lineup here. I've got uh, Lorian Galen. We've got Damon Beck. Uh, I'm going to put up Damon Beck, and then I'm going to pr- put Shelby Lucero, 
and then we're going to go up to Laurie and Galen, and uh, then we're going to go to Dolores, and then we'll bring up Tom Corby to wrap up the show with the NorCal Report. All right, so first we've got Damon Beck from Oklahoma. Damon, welcome to the show. Welcome. How are you I'm doing here. today? Good. All right, well, and I'm here. <laughs> Sorry, uh, let me take out the speakerphone right quick. All righty. Okay, you there? Yep, yep, loud and clear. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm from the Draconian state of Oklahoma. How are you doing? I am doing well. I'm from the Draconian state of California. <laughs> <laughs> Draconian state, the United States. Um, there you go. I have a personal thing. I mean, I'm not medical. I like to believe that uh, being and consuming marijuana for over 20 years has kept me from being sick and having any issues. I don't have well, anything. Well, my medical, friend, that's what I, they call medical to begin with. If it if it helps your quality of life in any way, they call that medicine. That's right. Well, it's uh, marijuana was meant to be a regulator, uh, not even a medicine. It was meant to regulate the human body. But um, there you go. I have a story for you, man. I'm, I'm not for sure what we can address and what we can go over, but I am currently facing charges. Um, I, my charges span from 2015, actually March or excuse me, April 8th of 2015, my house is raided. Um, but I, I'd like to give a little backdrop, a little a story beforehand. Um, sure. I'm a product of PTSD. I've been suffering from PTSD since March of 2008 when I was raided by a division here in Tulsa. It's a division of the Tulsa Police Department called SIDS, Special Investigation Division. Uh, they raided my house back in 08. Um, a neighbor of mine, quick story, the neighbor found him in my house, contacted me while I was at work, um, told my neighbor to go approach. These guys were on my porch. They drew a gun on him, identified themselves as police officers. Uh, they asked, he said, well, I'm on the, on the phone with the homeowner. Uh, they said, well, is that Damon on the phone? He says, yes. They grabbed his phone out of his hand, tell me to come home. Long story short, I come home, face in my house. My house was completely destroyed um they were insistent about me having anywhere from 10 to twenty thousand dollars stashed in my house which i didn't didn't find any cash uh, other than my daughter's change and stuff like that which they stole and their girl scout money um i was a single father three girls um they get to be honest they took ten and a half pounds of weed out of my house okay i never was arrested i never had a handcuff put on me they got up and left they got up and left my house. Well, I lived with PTSD for a long time, not knowing what had happened. I was worried that they're going to come back and arrest me, take my kids from me. About two years of living with that, I, I had caught a uh, news story here local in Tulsa where several officers were being brought up on corruption charges. Okay, And so <clears throat> they had flashed across the screen that if anybody had any information to contact the FBI the lead FBI on the, on the case. So I reached out to him. We talked for about 45 minutes to an hour. He believed everything that I had told him. You know, I told him that, you know, it's obviously I, I had gotten stolen from, from these guys, you know, and this and that. I was in fear of my life. I didn't know what if they were ever going to come back and hurt me. And he said, well, they're caught up on corruption charges. They simply forgot about you. And I was like, well, I don't think so. Forward a little bit. I was heavily involved 
in our medical marijuana petition here in 2014 in the state of Oklahoma. I was the guy that got everybody's attention. I was the one that had balls and told everybody that I smoked on camera to get, I was trying to get everybody out of the closet. Well, I, I in June of that year, we had uh, done a rally during the petition at the Oklahoma State Capitol, and I wanted to give my story about how the prohibition of cannabis creates, and of drugs in general, but it creates, um, well, I don't think marijuana is a drug for first off, but it creates criminals within the policing department. So I got up in front of cameras and in front of a bunch of other people at the state capitol and told my story. It was it was scary for me to put it out there, but I had to put it out there just in case it was happening to anybody else. Well, fast forward to 2015. Okay, this is after our petition had already ran. The police had already knew me because, you know, they were following me around during the petition. I had uh, made mention of it. I had posted it on Facebook that these cops, these undercovers were following me around. Well, I'll take that back. Let me let me backtrack. Before our petition started in 2014, the same cops, I don't know if it's the exact same cops that were on the force back in 2008, but they were the same division, Special Investigation Division, had stopped by my house. They came upon my porch while I was out with my dog, and they the first words out of their mouth was, you've been in trouble with us before. Well, the only thing I can think of was back in 2002, I was arrested for possession of marijuana. I made mention of that. They said, no, think more recent. And I said, well, what are you talking about? And they say, you remember Woody, don't you? And Woody was named, was, was, uh, excuse me, was one of the cops' name from 2008 that raided me, Special Investigation Division. So I panicked. I was scared. I was thinking, oh, my God, they're here to hurt me. They're here to rob me. They're here to do something to me. They were adamant about getting in my house. They asked three times to come in my house. They didn't have a search warrant. I told them they weren't going to come in my house. Okay. They said they had uh, suspicions of a meth lab in my house and this and that, and which I know was an outright lie. So they got up and left and got pissed and mad, and mad. So they left. Well, fast forward to 2015, after our petition and everything had ran and this and that, they raided me again. But this time... It was actually a week before my raid, four days before my raid, I had just got off of work uh, Saturday night about 10:30, 11 o'clock, just got home, and my middle daughter, who was 16, I believe at the time, 16, uh, we were just getting home, and she had just walked in the door when I had noticed a cop come down my block, okay, and as he come down my block, a woman ran the stop sign. Another woman come in the opposite direction, ran a stop sign. So he busted a U-turn, pulled her over in front of my house. She got out of her car like she was going to have an altercation with the cop. He tells and cuffs at her to get back in her car. So I simply, from my porch, which I'm 50-plus feet away from the cop, I pull out my cell phone and start to record him. Everything was going okay. He was actually pretty nice to me at first. He looked up. He asked me what street we were on. I told him what street we were on. He was calling for backup. Well, as backup's coming, before they even get there, he starts cussing at me. He tells me to get the back in my house and that I don't need to be recording him. And I told him that I had every right to stand on my porch and record him and document this. And even the woman in the car pled with me to please record because she was scared. So I said I would. Well, the other cops show up. That, long story short, they scared me back into my house. So I went back into my house, and I opened up my window and started recording from the window. 
Well, I had a few choice words to say. I wasn't saying it directly towards him, but I was cussing in my house because I was upset. You know, here it is. They're punking me out in front of my house. Well, they got so mad that they came and frightened me and my daughter, banging on my door, telling me that I was going to go to jail. And I eventually told them that I was going to open up the door and come out peacefully before they come in violently. So I came out peacefully because they were about to kick my door in. On the way to jail, they're questioning me this. They're saying, well, when I opened up the door, they were saying, oh, we smell a strong odor of, of marijuana. Is that why you didn't want to open up the door, blah, 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 this and that? Well, on the way down to the station, they're questioning me and saying, do you have a grow in your house, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, I'm saying no. And uh, I go uh, the next morning, I bonded out, when um, retained a lawyer, okay? And I asked my lawyer, I said, do I have anything of to worry about these guys coming back. He said, no, you should have nothing to worry about. They got no, there's no reason for them to come back. Well, four days later, they came back and raided my house. Okay. Well, after bonding out this time, you know, of course they got me for cultivation. They got me for child endangerment. They got me for seven felonies. Okay. And they dropped two of them. Five still remain. Um, I go and obtain the same lawyer again. You know what I mean? They had dropped the charges, by the way, on the obstruction. They arrested me that night before the raid on obstruction charge. Well, I was going to fight it because I had it all on video, on my camera, on my phone. Uh, I was going to sue them. Four days later, you know, I get raided. I obtain a new lawyer, or excuse me, the same lawyer, and he he's automatically assuming that this is from the obstruction. Well, we got to looking on the search warrant. The search warrant is actually dated a few days before the obstruction charge. Okay, this is the this is the same people that got me back in 2008. It may not be the same individuals, but it is the same uh, group, Special Investigation Division. Okay, I just, I got to tell this story because right now they're trying to railroad me again. Okay. Uh, my, my court date for this one has been postponed several times, you know what I mean, and, and this last one was supposed to be March 6th. I show up March 6th, and this I've got This is in Oklahoma, right? This is in, yes, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tulsa, I had, okay, I was going to ask which, which court, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's Tulsa County. Um, but I had 25-plus people there in support of me, you know, five or more oh, are going to testify on my behalf. Uh, good, but good, they good. pull a trick of... Now they're going to call witnesses, you know what I mean, <laughs> and this and that. So they postpone it out another month. So it's going to actually be April fifth. So I don't know what kind of well, games they're up to. This is the game that they like to play. When when you 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 had it down, you got the you got the playbook. You you got to bring those people out, and it sounds like you've got a good support team. And that's whether whether we're involved in making it happen or we just give you a place to talk about it. Doesn't even matter. What matters is that you have that support team. And uh, I know that we've got uh, a number of of supporters out there in, in Oklahoma. We've got a couple of cases going on out there that we are in support of right now, and uh, they don't like it. They, 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 it makes them crippled when right. you've got your case together and you've got people standing by watching, and especially if you get you know some some media coverage involved. Uh, and that's why they put these things out. You know what they do out here sometimes? They'll they'll even transfer to a different courthouse. They'll see all the people roll up and they say, oh, you know what, we're going to move it to another courthouse, same county, about an hour away. And they know that it is almost impossible for all of those people to pack up and move an hour away, but we, we roll with it. We do what we got to do. So 
the right. game of continuing, the game of it's a it's a it's a chess game and a dance all rolled up into one. And uh, you know they make strategic moves, and but you know you you got an upper hand when they when they went and continued it out because you had uh, a strong team with you. They're going back, going oh crap, we're not ready for this. So it, it puts right. you in a in a much stronger position. You you definitely have the playbook right. Well, see, I'm I'm my lawyer. You know, he put me into a blind plate. So if we didn't want to go in front of a jury. I would like to go in front of a jury. I mean, I, I know I'm, I'm gambling there, but at the same time, I, I feel like I need to tell my story. This is a story of corruption. That uh, It's a story of conspiracy. You know, they have conspired against me. Um, uh, they stole from me in 08. They tried to get me again in 2014 with no warrant. I mean, if you were to look up my, my name from 2008, the only thing that you will find under my name is is I forfeited a two-shot little Derringer gun that I was – that I had bought from my mom's husband a long time ago. I didn't even, I'm not a gun person, but I happened to buy myself a little two-shot Derringer, and that's the only thing that shows up from that day. doesn't show up all the clothes, the rings that they stole from me, the 10 and a half pounds of, of weed that they stole from me. doesn't show any of that. I was never Yeah, I wish I could say I can't believe that, but unfortunately it's it's way more common than rare. In, in my raid, uh, they stole all kinds of things that never ended up on the evidence sheet. And uh, you know it's uh, it, you know police corruption is widespread, and it's you know it's easy pickings for them. You know, imagine it's still going uh, on, brother. Of course it is. Of course it is. It doesn't. It hasn't even slowed down. And 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 bringing these cases to light and and talking about this and and letting people realize that um, you know these things happen are the only way that we have a chance. You know, in California they have a a motion that's called a pitches motion. I don't know if it's the same in other states, but it allows you to summon the records, uh, disciplinary uh, records of the cops that were involved in your case. Um, And it gets brought out into open court, uh, and it unseals disciplinary records. So if there was ever any, uh, you know, typically uh, corrupt cops get, get picked up once in a while. They, you know, you can only get away with stuff for so long. And uh, if you, catch one, you know, that, that has a disciplinary uh, report, it really damages their ability to testify for you. And uh, in some cases, uh, you know, damages their ability to testify in front of anybody. Right. Well, see, I, I so have all So where are you at right names. now? What is, what is the status of your case right now? Well, it's like I said, it's been postponed. The judge said that he's going to make the decision uh, April 6th. And like I said, I've, I've, okay. I'm, I'm – you know, he asked me if I was coerced, but I mean, I, of course, I said no. But I mean, when you're when when you're threatened with prison and you're threatened with, you know what I mean, uh, even facing a jury that they're going to side with the, you know what I mean, with the law and that you can go to prison and, you know what I mean, what else are you going to do? You know what I mean? You're going to, and they're well, not offering tough, me a it's plea. It's a tough call, and it's important for everybody that's listening to realize that the, the call is every individual's call. And we have people that will go to trial, come hell or high water. I don't care if I go to prison or not. It's I've got to do what I got to do. And other people look at it more scientifically or more more uh, pragmatically and say, well, you know, you're not going to get a fair trial in a state like Oklahoma. The, it, right. It'd be a hail mary pass to bring a whole bunch of people into it and and hope that you're going to get, you know, essentially a jury nullification. Um, although we've seen that happen, we've seen it work. So. Um, you know, it's it's every 
case is the individuals call and you've got a child at play and uh, I just you just need to know that whatever your choice is at the end of it, you know, keep those people near you and uh you know, we respect whatever path you decide to take on it. Um Oklahoma is a tough place to to stand uh up against law enforcement when you got the law well, against you. They don't well, have see, they, any they they want to silence me. They have done a great job. They, they knew do. I was the guy that was waking everybody up in 2014. I was the guy. I was the spokesman here. I was showing you that marijuana was not evil, that, that we are not criminals. Um, not only that, but they, they – I made the, the wrong decision because I had never really been arrested like that before. I had never been in trouble. You know what I mean? I have no, no history of any trouble. So I spoke on the jailhouse phone to my uh, stepdad and – and we conversed back and forth, and I told him, just like he thought so, too, that it was the same guys from 2008. You know what I mean? I, I called them out. I called them out for being thieves and this and that, and they want to silence me. They do not want me talking about this. They don't want me to shed any light on it. I mean, they actually pulled me over last year in September. Um, they, had, they had been doing, like, drive-bys of my house. My daughter's even seen them a couple of times driving by the house, one time in particular where they were taking pictures of them on the front porch. And uh, this time I had caught them driving by. So I, I followed them for a minute in the neighborhood. Well, as I'm following them, I break out my phone and I start to record them. I take pictures of their tag. I follow them out to a main street. We got off on the main street. I followed them for about a mile, and they turned back into my neighborhood. And as soon as we turned back into my neighborhood, I was immediately pulled over by four squad cars, a total of eight cops, okay? And the under, they were in an undercover car, as a matter of fact, and they drove off. But the squad cars pulled up right behind me, four of them at once. This is unheard of. Where did four cop cars come out of nowhere and pull you over? So they waited a minute. Four of them came up immediately behind the back of my car, putting, putting on their gloves like they were fixing to have an altercation with me. Two more walk up. They put on their gloves like they're fixing to hurt me. So I'm sitting there scared. I, I call my mom's husband. I'm on the phone with him telling him what's going on. One officer makes his way up to the car, tells me why they pulled me over, said that he had seen me commit a couple of infractions, said that I didn't yield at a stop sign, said that I veered over in one lane, which all was a complete lie. I was recording the whole time. There was never anybody behind me. Well, I took it to jury trial because I knew that they were lying, and I wanted to prove. I wanted to prove because I also had my lawyer check the tag number, and he checked the tag number, and uh, the PI that checked the tag number said it comes back to nobody. And this is out of the PI's mouth. It ain't out of anybody else's mouth. He wasn't making it up. He said it's more than likely Special Investigation Division because they're known for driving around with cars that are that tags go nowhere. Okay, this guy well, calls it out. Well, listen, Demon, we we are running low on time. I've got about I 20 understand. minutes and about four more guests. But here, I want to give you my personal number. I'd like to talk okay. to you more about this case and and about your situation. It seems like you and I share a lot in common. Um, you got oh, a pen and paper, deep, Andy? Man. Sure do. It's very deep. Go ahead. All right, let me give you my personal number. It, it's a nine five um, uh, nine five one. Okay. Four three six six three one two. Three one two. Okay, I'll say this before yeah. I go. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, sure. this is I'm only scratching the surface here, buddy. I'm only. Scratching I figured the as surface. much. That's why I want to hear more. Um, but I, I've only got a two-hour show here, and I'm 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 getting to the end of it. I got a bunch of people I got to get in. So let's uh, one more, give me a holler tomorrow, and I'd like to hear more about Shonda. what's going on. 
Okay, I appreciate Shauna, and I appreciate, definitely appreciate Dr. David Allen, two good people that you had on the show tonight, guaranteed. All right, right, thank you so much again, Damon Beck from Oklahoma, experiencing what many of us have, um, layers of corruption and, uh, you know, a lawless nature to the law enforcement that's supposed to be serving and protecting us. Um, So we're going to go into a little bit of an accelerated pace here. Um, And as everybody knows with this show, uh, if you ever are at the end of the show and I have to push you forward kind of quickly, please feel free to call back, and I always put you up first the next show, and you'll get all the time you need. So um, I'm going to bring up Shelby next, then Lori and Galen, and then uh, Dolores, and then Tom Corby. And if anybody has the ability to get a hold of Lisa Sublet, please call her and tell her that I want to hear. She said she was going to call in. Um, All right, so here we go. Shelby Lucero. Um, Shelby, I met... uh, in 2013, uh, in our historical Journey for Justice tour up to Montana and back down uh, where we went to Chris Williams' sentencing hearing and planted the seeds of uh, a number of Human Solution chapters all along the way up and back. And uh, once we, on our way back, we ended up in Sacramento area and uh, we did a march. And we, from the federal building um, all the way over to the state building where Shelby had a case uh, going and she had a hearing. And uh, that's where I met her. And uh, we've been following her case and supporting it ever since. And she had an amazing breakthrough last week. And here she is to tell us all about it. Shelby, welcome to the show and congratulations. Thank you. I'm so sorry I didn't call in last week. Talk about PTSD. Oh, my gosh. I hear you. It's all good. I, we could. <laughs> We could all have a session on how to heal that. I wish that, you know, I just say more cannabis, please. But, yep. yes, you're right, Joe. Um, 2012, I was rated, and I'm going to do the Reader's Digest um, highlighted version of sure. this because I know we're short on time. Rated in my home and my business. Um, I only had enough medicine in my home and my business, around five pounds. For myself and my now ex-husband, we had recommendations to uh, for 99 plants, so we could have uh, personally have eight pounds each, um, rated uh, with an army tank in my front yard, helicopters overhead, full-on ski masks, body armor, and automatic weapons pointed at you. And you're right, it does. It makes a difference. I think every Fourth of July, I will always shudder at the sound of a firework thinking it could be something different um fast forward been going to court i think i had close to 60 preliminary hearings my expert witness ryan landers my friend and my patient passed away a huge number of activists Uh, and if i have time at the end i'll go into thanks for that um but uh now four and a half almost five years later Uh, go to court after Proposition 64, AMA. Um, I still refuse to take um, even a misdemeanor charge. My ex-husband grew very weak and decided that he was going to take a a charge for ammunition, which was a one-bullet charge. I don't know what that's about, like a Barney Five thing. I don't know. Uh, Uh, Yeah. But, yeah, but I... Um, said and all along I said to my public defender because when you go under such a a huge undertaking like that you don't have the money for a lawyer Um, so I stayed with this public defender the whole way 
and myself with Ryan Landers helped educate him, and uh, it worked out okay. Uh, I don't know that it would be for anybody, but it worked out okay for me. I said all along I would take an infraction just to get rid of it because it had gone on almost five years. So after talking with Joe, he said, well, I think Mary Donnelly may have taken an infraction. And I talked to Mary and she said, nope, it was offered to me and I didn't take it. Um, She said I was thinking about it, but I decided not to. So good for Mary, but it gave me the idea to keep pressing towards that infraction. So seven or eight judges later, uh, seven or eight, maybe even nine district attorneys later, they decided that the infraction, uh, and I talked to Mary and Joe about this very carefully, and I want to just thank you both from the bottom of my heart and everybody who listens to this show and anyone who's a part of Human Solution and anyone that did court support for me. Um, we said, look, um, I will take an infraction, something similar to a jaywalking ticket, with around a $100 fine and no court fees. And so my public defender presented it to the new district attorney, um, who, by the way, didn't help that he was so awkwardly handsome. I was like, he's got to be nice if he's that cute. <laughs> but anyhow, he he accepted the deal. And, um, and I walked out of it. They said time served, minus $70 plus a court fee of 30 I ended up paying 70 And he turned around and said, well, you can make payments on this. And I said, I'll go pay that right now. My mom was standing next to me. She goes, put it on my credit card. No, let's pay cash. I don't want to say that the credit card declined. So we paid for it, have pictures of the actual fine of the infraction, which, by the way, is, is, you know, not a criminal offense. And, um, you know, sitting on a case and letting it age perfectly was a great idea for me, and I'm thankful for the laws changing and all the support that I had. I did want to say one thing, though, is um, I, at the end, said to my public defender, and I want my medicine back, and he said, oh, and your honor, she wants to have her, her weed back, I think is what he said. <clears throat> and the judge was a really neat judge, just, you know, happy all the time, cracking jokes. And he says, she wants it back? And he says, yeah. He says, what is she going to do with it? He says, I don't know. He says, all right, give it back to her. Still there, give it back to her. (laughs) So in the actual court document, it says, I requested my cannabis back, and the judge agreed. Now, here I am thinking, do I get the actual five pounds back that they had given me a, a receipt for? Or do I get the 80 pounds that they reported on the news for almost two weeks? saying that I was a horrible criminal and that this was their um, reason for using such excessive force. I would take door number two. Yeah, I know, right? Interesting. Um, But if I can, um, just take a minute to thank some special people that have been a part of my life. And Joe Grumbine, you and your wife, Liz, I, you know, blessings and many, many good karma banks to you. You guys are wonderful And as soon as I get back on my feet again, because as you know, it takes you a while after a court case to actually reestablish yourself. I I would like to be able to help, you know, help you guys along the way. And Patrice Mahoney, a wonderful little, you know, little angel on my right shoulder saying, don't do that. Don't do that. They violated your civil (laughs) rights, honey. Don't you know? And I'm like, no, I didn't know. And you got, so your, you now, got your Patrice down pretty good. 
I know. Isn't she just, she's just so adorable. I can't wait to talk to her. I only left her a message and she sent a text back. But, uh, you know, people like you help us stand up for who we are today. Um, in Sacramento, I had Lynette Davies, uh, Kim um, from a Therapeutic Alternative, uh, Richard Miller, uh, Lisa Gresham Gordon was there to help drive me to court cases when I couldn't drive myself because the PTSD was so bad. I mean, I could walk out of my house and, and hit a wall and not even know it. Um, Marsha uh, from the Bay Area uh, and Marsha from the Shasta area and um, Susan Bryant and Zoe and uh, Benno for his case. My heart bleeds for him. Uh, Shauna Bontra that you just talked to. Oh, my gosh, I've been listening to these stories for years. It's got to stop. And Kirk Short, who just lives, you know, within 50 miles of me, um, he and I have been sharing stories forever about federal versus state. And Lynette Shaw, who is, you know, again, my hero, who has, I think she had 16 or 15 years. She was being prosecuted federally. Um, she helped me stand up too. You know, when you when you're at your lowest, these all these people with all these stories, I'm thinking, thank God it's not 16 years, right? It's only five. Um, but these people really help lift you up. Sue uh, Cologne, Dr. David Allen, of course, many activists from the Sacramento area, um, and actually all throughout California. And I'm just so so thankful that this chapter of my life the door is finally closed on. Now I have to learn how to live again. And um, instead of the girl that's had, you know, over 60 preliminary hearings and a court case that went on forever, like the never-ending court story, uh, I, I definitely, um, you know, I'm grateful. And thank you for all your help. Well, you bet, Shelby. And, and you know, it's important that we share these victories um, as much as we share um, the the harrowing story of of what's happening and you know the darkness is is prevalent and the victories sometimes seem like they're few and far between but they're getting more and more and the more people that stand and and and, and keep going are breed the ground for these victories to happen and and it's that's what this is all about you know it's bigger than you it's bigger than me it's bigger than everybody listening to the show it, 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 this is part of something. Uh, that's that's universe changing, and you know I, I always say it, but you know you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. And Shelby, yeah. uh, congratulations, you are part of the solution. <laughs> and and really, really quick, one more thing: if people out there don't think that this really is part of the solution, uh, a friend of mine, Anna Navarrete, who also was facing criminal charges for cannabis um, and was using Joseph Tully for an attorney. Um, she went to court two days after mine, and Joseph Tully showed them my documentation and my plea for the um, the violation of the infraction, the actual violation that they gave me, which was, by the way, possession of cannabis. Of course, I'm going to possess cannabis. I'm a patient. I'm like, so anyhow, he that was an that infraction from I don't know three or four years ago. That uh, isn't that crazy? You know, when uh, when Schwarzenegger's last thing he did. So, oh, that's you know, that should have been. But he sh- it's a parking he ticket. It's the, nothing. It's a, it's a yeah, total victory exactly. on your side. And he showed, the, Joseph Tully showed that documentation to the district attorney, and the district attorney looks over at me, who's sitting next to Anna, and the rest uh, of the people in court support, and they dismissed Anna's case. 
he knew. Nice. He was like, that's you know. That's how this works, folks. And, and that's yeah. not the first time it's happened. It's not going to be the last time it happens. And every time that we stand up in that very courtroom where the victories happen, there's a, it, it's like a bomb blast. And the prosecutors back the hell off because they only want to take on winning cases for them. And when they see that a case just like theirs got dropped, uh, was lost, they'll drop it like a hot kick. I've seen it happen all over the place. Well, Shelby, thank you so much. Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that you took the time to share this with us. Uh, it means a lot for us to hear that, you know, some of the efforts that we put in um, made a difference and, and we got those victories. And, you know, that's part of what this show is all about is sharing um, the real picture, what's really happening here, and hopefully it inspires more people to help and, and take time to heal. I know what it's like. It's been uh, almost three years now since my case was dismissed, and the dreams have just started to subside. So, um, wow. you know. Jim, please, please, share, please share my certificate with anybody in California that may have a case. I give you full permission to use it. I can't afford I to pay will. you monetarily, but please <laughs> give them my phone number and give them anything that will. they need to help, okay? That's how we do it. All right. I will talk right. to you very thank soon. You guys. And thanks again, and congratulations. Once again, Shelby Lucero just had a huge victory in Sacramento, and, you know, she stood, stood with it for years and uh, stood tall and, and got through it. All right, we're going to have to do a little bit of a lightning round. So I've got Lori and Galen going to give a quick Nevada report. Um, I'm going to bring up Lisa Sublett, who did show up, and I'm uh, just tickled to talk to her every time she comes on. I'm going to bring Lisa and Dolores at the same time, and then Tom Corby will finish out with the NorCal report. We'll probably go a couple of minutes long. Here I was thinking the show was going to cut short today, and uh, we're out of time already. All right, Laurie and Galen from Nevada, California, or from Las Vegas, Nevada. <laughs> Not everything's California, Joe. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> hey, thanks for having us, Joe. Laurie stepped out for a minute, but I'm here, and I want to say congratulations to Shelby. And my heart, positive vibes goes out to everybody out there uh, within the struggle, Honda as well. And uh, just a little bit of update from here in my situation. I went to court yesterday. Uh, we had a clarification. Uh, a motion to clarify terms of probation. Uh, for those who don't know, I was uh, I was convicted. I, I took a plea deal uh, after you know a lot of a lot of back and forth nonsense. I, I, I you know how it is, Joe. I, I found myself in a position where I had to, I had to take the deal, and um, I, I got probation. Well, you were in you were in a situation that that uh, the deal was, in my opinion, your strongest move. Um, because they had a history that they were going to exploit, and you would have had a hard time getting a fair shake, no matter what we did with support. So, exactly. you know, in my opinion, getting it behind you is the best thing. And they were, just to fast forward, they were basically uh, challenging your uh, uh, status as a patient, and they were demanding that you produce some sort of uh, hard evidence, and uh, you just had a hearing about that. So that's where we leave off. Absolutely. And and thankfully, uh, just from the guidance, and I want to thank you guys. Thank you, Joe, personally. Thank everybody in the Human Solution who's given me guidance and counsel, actually, and helped me kind of see this thing through. And the most, because uh, I'm, you know, sometimes I get a little anxiety, then I get a little frustrated, and then they say, I can't see clearly uh, that way. 
But um, having you guys by my side, you know, having the support of Lori, you know, people, Patrice Mahoney, Mike Harris, uh, everybody in the Human Solution, Tom Corby, everybody, uh, just showing the way, saying this is how you address it. If you're not doing anything wrong, and for years, what I, I, I think I felt, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people listening today felt some sort of shame for utilizing cannabis. And whether it was for medical purposes, that's stemming from a chronic or debilitating condition or something more uh, psychiatric with your head, uh, PTSD or something like that, anxiety. Uh, now, the, with the research coming out and with you know, very little research coming out, but with the doors opening up, patients are now having a choice. Instead of taking a, 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 a polypharmacy drug, uh, uh, drugs, that are basically uh, deteriorate your body over the long run. Now we have a natural way to go about it. And, and the, the laws in Nevada are pretty clear. And uh, one of the things with my situation was just getting the right message to the right people that were involved in the case, meaning my lawyer, conveying what the actual things to my actual attorney was a kind of a thing because they understand it the way we tell it to them. But then the way they explain it sometimes to the court is not what we relate to them. And so sometimes getting that dialogue to them, you need more than one voice. And uh, I'll, I know we press for time, so I'll just say thank you guys again uh, just for the support and showing me the right way. I did retain my patient right to utilize cannabis as opposed to any other medication. And um, I get my card back this Friday from uh, the from I had to submit it. Now I get it back this Friday. So I want to thank you guys that's once again. Fantastic. Well, again, that's a victory. And uh, as we look at these things, uh, there's there's little victories that happen sometimes in the in the midst of of all sorts of uh, turmoil. So we got a couple of minutes left. Uh, we're going to end up going overtime. So don't hang up. Um, we're going to have Tom Corby's going to get time to do his NorCal update. Um, but first, we're going to go ahead and bring up. Um, my sweetheart, Lisa Sublet, a warrior woman from Kansas who has been just dominating over there at the Capitol building with her uh, Bleeding Kansas organization. And um, just, uh, man, you, you, you show everybody what can be done. you dealing with uh, uh, young children being sick and, and all of this stuff, and yet you march on every single day, and, and, and boy, everybody could take a lesson from you. <laughs> I love you too. So I, I I'm flabbergasted by the show tonight. What amazing, wonderful, positive oh, stories! And gosh, do we all need that encouragement that there are victories to be had, and there is a payoff for all the years of pressing to the mark. You know, we need to hear those stories. Uh, Lisa, I'm going to bring Dolores up too, so we can sort of tag team this. This uh, Dolores, welcome to the show. You're here with Lisa Sublet and a cup of Joe. Always a pleasure, Joe, Lisa. God bless you. <laughs> and I haven't seen a thing on Facebook today. I was trying to look while you were talking, Joe, to see what happened today. So I'm just going to let Nothing you know. happened the way I understand what it. What happened today? <laughs> well, we, you know, after we got done, we had uh, the Capitol is a horrible place for seizure patients to be, I have to say. They keep it, first of all, way too hot. And then the lighting is quite a trigger. And so one of the little kids that was there had a seizure, but our Sarah, our poor Sarah, she had 
two seizures. And oh, no. so, yeah. And then um, Dawn had a migraine God lover. So after she gave her testimony, she went home and uh, we went to go get something to eat after that. And my phone died. So I just kind of, oh, no. it, I wasn't able to really report after we did, uh, we, we broadcast live from there before we we went in. Um, the hearing went very well uh, today. I have to say it's the most positive energy vibe I've ever been in in a medical cannabis hearing in Topeka, Kansas, ever. And um, really there was only one person who truly spoke in complete opposition, and of course that was the police lobbyist. But I have to say even his stance after dealing with him for four years uh, had incredibly mellowed. But, uh, you know, I made it real clear before I started talking how much respect I have for Representative Wilson. And I said, you know, the press especially likes to put us at odds. Uh, I said, and that's that's not true. His parents were there, actually, very lovely people. And they're from Lawton, uh, Oklahoma, actually. So I let them all let them know about Chris. They were going to go home and look that up. Wow. <laughs> and I know, small world. And yes, so, uh, yeah. Um, and so I said, you know, we're just um, – So my presentation was strictly on uh, THC and uh, how prohibition was never based in science. And certainly cannabis was never taken away over science or medical objection. In fact, it was taken away over the objections of the medical community, including the AMA. So I was just saying, you know, I've I've given you a short historical timeline in my written testimony as to how prohibition happened. And what has that got to do with why we're here today? It has everything to do with why we're here today because we're still – falling, uh, you know, dealing with the fallout of reefer madness almost 100 years later. And um, so I went into, again, the medicinal value of THC and gliomas, adenocarcinomas, Alzheimer's, and, you know, other things, and letting them know about that. So then we dealt with the side effects, and I said, if you're going to complain about the side effects of THC, first of all, let's talk about how easily mitigated they are uh, by the plant itself, first of all, in a one-to-one CBD ratio or by choline or black pepper. Easily mitigated side effects. I said, but if we're going to rule out a medicine because of side effects, let's start with FDA-manufactured pharmaceuticals like Humira, whose side effect is lymphoma like cancer. <laughs> right? I said, or, or Tylenol, even over-the-counter Tylenol. All uh, of you know. They all have an LD50. Yeah. That means people can die. That's all. Right. Right. And I said, so, let, you know, I. but I think that, you know, lymphoma as a side effect certainly should be uh, is, is a more serious side effect from an FDA-approved medication uh, than, you know, the munchies. So, uh, and I said, if you're general worried... feeling of well-being. If, we can't have that. Right. And I said, if In you're worried about... our shows, order a pizza. Right. <laughs> if, uh, you know, if you're worried about our children being high, they're already... You're late to the game. These children are already high yep. tights, and they're all terribly addicted, and they're addicted to medications that are having long-term... Uh, you know, devastating effects on their their brains and their internal organs. Um, Teenagers on psych meds, you know, that don't need it. Right. So I said the fact that we are vilifying uh, a beneficial chemical, I said, so we've seen that prohibition was never based in science. Uh, You know, vilifying THC is not based in science. So we are still here and only here because of stigma. And um, we have three doctors on that 
committee and I said, you know, these three doctors, even if they were ecstatic and overenthusiastic about bringing medical cannabis to their patients, they would never do so or try to even venture into dosing until they felt they were fully educated in the plant. And I said, because their first mandate is do no harm. And I said, so you should take a lesson from that because you don't have medical degrees and you're not medical providers. And so therefore you should not be putting yourself in their shoes and trying to decide what is best for these doctors and how to treat their patients um, and to increase their odds of surviving or to have the best quality of life. Your mandate is to enact all such laws as benefit the welfare of the people. And as written, excluding THC, this is not that law. And then I read a text from uh, Tracy, our Wichita chapter coordinator, who finally gave up on Kansas and moved to Colorado. And she had just found out about the hearing, so she didn't give some of the testimony. Her little girl now is on just nothing but THC oil. And for the first time in her life ever went a week seizure-free without even a little one. And she said she thinks the only reason why she finally had one is because she's sick. She got a cold. Um, but, uh, you know, so I let them know. I said, that child is now on nothing but THC oil. <laughs> so, you know, um, so I think, and then Dawn gave a great testimony. There was other really great written testimonies. The neutral testimony from the Kansas Health Institute really dissipated and undermined anything that the police association associations had to say. But again, he was even saying, you know, maybe we could work on language because none of us want to see these, these children suffer. The first time I've ever heard him yield on anything in four years uh, to try to wow. even be cooperative. So totally positive, really good vibe through the, you know, through the whole thing. So I got a little emotional, really kind of dumb, but when I had a Dino carcinoma, I, thought of my professor who I was very close with and she had a very aggressive form well adenocarcinoma is aggressive and uh you know we lost her in 18 days after diagnosis so wow. and I said I said but I can send you a video of a biochemist who after research treated his own adenocarcinoma pancreatic cancer with cannabis oil and survived and she should have had that same option and that same hope Absolutely. so, so exactly. Dawn did wonderful well, even though she she had a mic. So it went well. Um, some people are proposing, um, you know, that we try to get a gut and go uh, amendment thrown out there, which I'm sure will be rejected and overturned, but at least to have this part of record. But, you know, um, still on the House side and still on the Senate side, you know, this is the most conversation we have ever heard occur in Kansas. This is the most thirsty we have ever seen lawmakers truly to be educated want to be educated seeking education on their own and coming back to us with questions so maybe we didn't hit a home run this year but um you know i feel i feel like we you know we're on second base getting ready to steal third so um well please then, tell me that you have gotten an increase in support out there uh please <laughs> you know uh, it's a wacky world, this advocacy place. Um, uh, so, uh, well, then, okay, you know. all right, then let's plead for some more support then. <laughs> Tell us what <laughs> you need because, I, um, you know, I'm not going to stop until we get victory everywhere. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, Kansas, we're, we're, so, we're so supportive of Kansas because we know that Kansas is one of the most hostile places there is. And if Cam, if Kansas wakes up and gets enlightened, it's just got to spread. It's got to spread all across the other unenlightened places. So, you know, we're just yeah. this is you know one of our strongest cards right now. 
So where are well, all the Kansans? Come on, folks. <laughs> Don't make me well. come out there. I mean, if I go out to Kansas, you know what I have to do? If I go out there, here's I'm dead serious here. If I go out to Kansas, my wife gets another Chihuahua. Okay, that's our deal. And I don't want another Chihuahua. I really don't. We have too many Rock dogs. Up, I got bro. two Take giant dogs and four team. Chihuahuas. Oh, oh my gosh! You. Take one for the team. That's oh, I, I, you know, you're 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 pushing me. So I, I'm saying, please, well, <laughs> there's got to really, be somebody what we, closer. What we really need are, and I might. You know, I might reach out to Steve D'Angelo at Harborside again because at one time he offered to let me have his senior care expert. Uh, we, it, it's really now that the bill is written and it's done, uh, it allows us in this time before next session, which people are like, "Oh my gosh, that's clear to next January." I cannot tell you how fast that time goes. <laughs> really, oh god, when you're it's trying to blink of an eye. Right. And so we've got to focus on some things we haven't focused before. What we really need people to do is continue contact, continue pressure through the rest of the session and over the summer and into the fall uh, using their private emails, which are listed on the legislature website. We need constant contact, sending, uh, uh, you know, education, meeting with them, meeting with them at their local offices once they get back uh, to their hometowns. We need their constituents constituency to step up and apply pressure and then we need people to step up who have inside paths to the groups that we really need to uh, mobilize we really want to go in next session with as much support as we can we have got to reach the veterans in kansas we've had a terrible time one-on-one or when i meet in small groups the support is overwhelming their leadership is not supportive they're not listening to their own people surprise so we have got to get the veterans we lost another one just a few weeks ago uh could not handle the physical chronic pain anymore and committed suicide we yes we have got to get to our vets we've got to get to our senior citizen community we've got to get to our college kids we've got to get to the Kansas-level religious communities whose national organizations support. We've got to make that connection for them, um, you know, and work on the medical community to get them to come out of the shadows, as Steve would say, and into the light and and support this. So uh, we need help with outreach. One of the things, too, our media list is horrible. It's a tedious job to go through and update that spreadsheet, um, volunteers for that, but that's imperative for us to keep uh, open contact. But for people at home who can't, you know, really do just to continue, I always say pick a topic for that email, even if it's once a week, twice a week, just pick a topic and say, today we're just going to talk about why THC is important to, you know, work on gliomas, brain tumors, and just send that out. And then, then talk about how cannabis works on um, insulin, um, you know, uh, control and, and BMI. Send that one out. Just continue the education, continue the conversation, and, like, don't let up. That's what's going to be so important. They've got to hear from the people. And so we just, we've got to mobilize those people. We've got to mobilize those groups and try to, to get that support. They're going to be working on fundraising, and we're going to be working on membership and um, moving to official membership and things like that. Um, so we've got we've got things that we've got to work on in the next you know few months to get us in place before session. The good thing is next session we're first out of the gate. 
But we have lawmakers who tell us they don't want us to give up this year. We had someone today tell us, change two words, reintroduce it tomorrow in another committee. Wow. I mean, they, wow. that's from, yeah. those are from law. They do not want us to quit fighting even this session. So yeah. we're just kind of flabbergasted. I mean, seriously. Well, that's it. That's what they call momentum. And hopefully, <laughs> you know, it's going to start creating its own gravity out there. That's what we need. <coughs> Excuse Let me jump um, in here I, real quick. Um, can, I, yes. can I pop in here real quick on media? You can. Um, I had a very interesting conversation on the sidewalk after the medical marijuana convention or conference in Kansas City, Missouri last Saturday. And I was just sitting on the sidewalk drinking wine overhearing a conversation between two young people and interjected myself. Turns out they were advertisers. And I started talking about what we were doing and they were asking questions and uh, and I was talking about our issue with national media and um, Lisa and Chris and several of the moms know I've been working on a project trying to get 60 minutes and I've gathered pictures and and <laughs> backgrounds and addresses and emails and phone numbers and all this stuff to send them a little book. I've got a guy down here and you know that's willing to help me put it all together and you know, we were going to overnight it to Fagan at 60 minutes and have it be, when he opened it up, you know, there's no way he could say no. And they looked at me and didn't say much. And I said, so what do you guys think? And they go, well, that won't work. And I'm like, they're they're in their 20s, but they, you know, I checked into their company. They're they're smart. And they said, uh, you got to give the 60-minute elevator pitch on a tweet. They get so inundated with everything. The most effective form of advertising today, according to these two young people that were running their own ad agency, is the 60-second video tweet. As simple as you directly to the person, and it's that 60-second elevator pitch. And they didn't know I used to work for Barnell Healthburg, so I knew all about where that came from, but I thought that was fascinating to hear that 20 years later from a couple of young people, and I think that we should really take their advice and try to incorporate that into everything else we're doing with our emailing and our letter writing and our phone calling. And I don't have a Twitter account, so this is going to be a whole new stretch for me. But <laughs> And 60 seconds. I'm like, see, I can't. I can't. I, you know what? That, I was in tears. I mean, I've been working on this book for three months, and and I said sixty <laughs> seconds. I can't do anything in sixty seconds. And they looked right at me and said, "Well, I can see where with you that would be a challenge." But for real, I mean, <laughs> there that was it, it is. And I, I'm going to take that advice to heart, and I want to pass oh, yeah. it on because we need every we need Twitter. Our, every Twitter, tool is our Twitter is phenomenal. Twitter it is, is phenomenal. and that's what they said. They yeah, said Twitter over emails, phenomenal. over Facebook, over anything mm-hmm. else, 60-second Twitter and make it a, a audio. With, it can just be you and a black background. Because I said, well, I got this slideshow. Can I run it? And no, no slideshow. <laughs> That's, if yeah. you get them hooked, then you go ahead and send your book. You do your slideshow. But you got to hook them with a 60-second tweet. Yeah. So I just well, I love to make it. Sure um, I got if that we can get there. anybody that's willing to do the 60-second tweet, Lisa Sublet, how <laughs> does somebody reach you to get exactly more information from you? Uh, anybody who would like to help us out in Kansas, um, 
you know, even if it's just with advice or guidance, uh, anyone who's established, uh, industry contact, anybody, uh, any volunteers, uh, can email us at info at bleedingks.org. That's info at bleeding, B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G-K-S dot org. And, um, you know, we're also on Facebook. And, yes, we're on Twitter. And I have a video up right now. It was my last post. So, um, yes, I you work Twitter hard. <laughs> yeah, I work, I work Twitter really hard, believe me. That's yeah. how I met Steve yeah. D'Angelo was through Twitter. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, Twitter is you know, really, uh, really great. But, um, yeah, that's how they could, that's how they could, uh, to, you know, that's how they can reach us. And, um, you know, especially I would love to meet somebody who has some sort of inside track to the veteran leadership in, in Kansas. It's just so very difficult to try to reach the membership when the leadership won't work with you. But when I go to individual posts, uh, you know, with uh, the VFW or, uh, the Legion Halls, you know, the people, they support. So it's just how to convince this leadership um, because that's so important. Kansas loves their vets. And if we have the veterans come out with us next year, um, I mean, that's just, that would be a really big deal. So that's well, let's make I'm... it happen, folks. Anybody <laughs> who's connected with a veterans yeah. organization uh, in or near Kansas, let's uh, reach out to them. And, uh, you know, I'll do what it do what I can to help make it happen, and, you know, we just need to see this thing happen. It just has to happen. So it's just a matter of uh, pushing hard enough and, and long enough. All right, you guys. Yeah, you know, we'll um, keep, keep tagging you. We'll keep tagging you with posts. I mean, we'll keep tagging oh, you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, that's what, I'm here to help. All right, Lisa Dolores, always a pleasure. And uh, we got Tom Corby up next with NorCal Report. Thank you both for being here. And... Where is he? Here it is, the one, the only Tom Corby to close the show down. Tell us what's going on in NorCal. Tom Corby. Uh, thank you, Joe. Yeah, Mary, Coffee Party Radio Show, and Dr. Allen today. Always a good talk. Uh, I'm here tonight down in the man cave with Nick Moran. Talked about Nick Moran there and a victim of Will. And he has uh, uh, a maturing. I talked about it last week because he's up with Benos. Uh, Benos sent a post out. Uh, you remember he had the gun charges uh, dismissed. They and they've been trying to fight the nine magazine. Well, uh, totally got a drop today. So I went of course for the Benos up there in Shasta. Uh, uh, right here, uh, we have uh, Alex Klein coming up uh, the 23rd at 1.30. <clears throat> and by the way, uh, Nick doesn't really request court support. Tomorrow is going to be a continuance. Uh, our friend O'Day is going to uh, stand in probably tomorrow. Uh, and, and Alex Lyons actually birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday, Alex. Coming up uh, for... On the 23rd at 1.30, uh, number one, Court Street for a, a trial readiness conference. Probably get up. Uh, it was so nice to hear Kurt Short talk, talk today. Case is so very sad. And I want to thank Delida. Lisa Gordon coming so hard uh, for Kurt. Uh, Shelby Lucero, uh 
congratulations again. Uh, yes, infraction. Yes, it is a win. And by the way, uh, I want to say about Toby Schultz, pumps for us. Uh, I just got a message, uh, of course, for Don and I coming for all these years. But uh, 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 Dolores Album, always great for you. Sorry. Uh, Good luck in Las Vegas. Uh, trying to cut the chase. Uh, Aaron O'Neill's coming up uh, here in uh, his uh, trial. Uh, and Tully, uh, that can't happen until actually Benno, Tully's done with Benno because he also has Tully. By the way, got Tully out. Okay, uh, I want to thank all, all those on the front line come together to help you this push. Drug war to get scheduled, no schedule. Join us at ash.org out our calendar. I and my wife Donna will tell you something free. Thank you for going on. All right. Thank you so much, Tom Corby. And thank you all who uh, decided to show up and make this show amazing as always. And uh, we will see you next week. I am Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse The Human Solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were always on my mind.